Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro from TSN. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. NHL playoff hockey is in full swing. Lots to talk about. Some really cool uh, series going on. One just wrapped up last night. Thanks for listening. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. Get it on any kind of podcatcher. Also, get it on pulphockey.com. You can go there as well. Uh, the number two, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Uh, a lot of... Um, uh, NHL players wear two under, as well as R.A. Dickey, who currently has more RBIs than Jose Batista, everybody. He runs two under as well. The number 10 to UNDR, if you use the code Ferraro20, you can save 20% at 2under.com. And uh, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. With me on the line, as usual, to fill us full of NHL knowledge. He played 18 years in the NHL, over 400 goals. Now the lead analyst for TSN up in Canada and NBC Sports down in the USA. He's Ray Farrar. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, in Nashville today for uh, today being Thursday and uh, for game four of Chicago-Nashville. Who would have who would have thought Chicago would be on the brink already here? It's um, As you said, there's been some pretty cool series, some pretty Pretty amazing stuff that's gone on in the first week of the playoffs. Love playoff hockey, especially the first round. It's been great. I've been ignoring the dogs, ignoring the wife, just been hunkered down. Um, I, it's, cra- I, it's crazy because there's no matter where you turn, there's something, there's something. good. <laughs> yeah. Even when, even a series, say if there's a series you're not interested in, mm-hmm. and you kind of flick through it, and you're like, "Wow, that's pretty good hockey. I better watch it." Like it doesn't even matter the. The eight series are, you know, I mean, you know, one's already done, as you mentioned, Anaheim swept out Calgary. But all the games have been, all the games are close. I, as to what I can think of, really, the only blowout is San Jose hammered Edmonton the other night. And that just got the series even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been great. Um, hey, before we get into the, by the way, did you, did you like the R.A. Dickey RBI? Stat I pulled I out. I did. Now, uh, now they are. Now they have split the first two games with my Red Sox. Yes, yes. And so they'll they're going for the their first uh, series win against Chris Sale. Should tonight. be no problem. It's it's actually in two hours. It's a day game. Um, oh, look at you! Yeah. You even though you're mad at your Blue Jays, you just can't <laughs> give up, can you? Oh, um, last night they beat Porcello, the Cy Young uh, Award winner, um, with no uh, earned runs given up by. Um, Porcello. They scored three. They were all on Red Sox errors, and that's how the Jays win. They yeah, have to. Uh, <laughs> so I would take that as a positive. You could say, look, you know, we don't even need many hits. We, oh, we can't get many. Can't hits. get any. You're loving it. You're loving it. I know you are because you're just sitting uh, back. I, there. I am enjoying this. My Blue Jays friends are. Uh, oh, it's just terrible. Or are, you know they were they were pretty positive you know last year and pretty pumped up and mm-hmm. so when the Jays were one and nine. I must confess, I did send out a an email to 
that my produ- one of my producer and directors that I work with, mm-hmm. big Jays fans, and all it said in the subject line was two L's, a W, seven L's, and that's it. <laughs> Just trolling your, your buddies. Oh, it was it was so enjoyable. Well, uh, hey, anytime you can call up a uh, six-year minor leaguer who doesn't break ninety. And he just dominates you with with eighty eight mile per hour fastballs. You, you know you got to do it. That's well, what, the what did I did. tell you? I know. That's what Greg right. Maddox did. Yeah. You're comparing this Johnson guy to Craig Maddox. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's a stretch, but you know. Uh, anyways, hey, let's let's get into a little bit of your schedule. Um, when will you ever see your family again? If Chicago loses tonight, okay. I'm going home tomorrow. Oh, there's going to be so much joy in your voice if Nashville. If <laughs> if, uh, if Chicago wins, I'm going to Chicago for Game Five. So that would mean the earliest I go home is Sunday. Okay. So I've, uh, you know, the the FaceTime stuff is is kind of like the lifeline right now. Right. And and as I told you yesterday, you know, Cammy is is crazy busy with the two boys mm-hmm. and so i talked to her three times yesterday i i want to say we got to two minutes total talking yeah you know like yeah. if, hey how you doing <laughs> oh the kids are in the house or the kids are back in here i'll have to call you back and then i forget what happened the other time the third time i'm like hey i'm done i'm so tired <laughs> i go is everybody alive good i'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs> i gotta go now i haven't seen the schedule are you done with the habs rangers or is there a yeah, break I, okay yeah they're going to um, so the next um, the game tonight, um, I believe Doc and uh, Pierre Maguire are doing mm-hmm. that one, and then Saturday's game is a NBC game. So Emmerich. those two plus Eddie yep. Olchek will, yep. will do that one, and so you kind of you get your schedule for the first week. And then everything's up in the air after that. And the fact that Gord and I have to leave in in about two weeks to to go to the World Championships is you know takes us out of the mix yep. um, for future series, which is too bad. Um, as much as I love doing the World Championships because they're always in awesome cities, this mm-hmm. this year is in Paris and Cologne. Um, you know, it, it it is fun doing the playoffs for sure. Now we we talked to you uh, a couple of shows ago about your schedule and everything else and. In playoffs, when you've been doing, you know, uh, Nashville, Chicago, Habs, Rangers, uh, back-to-back, how does that affect the coverage that you do or your prep or anything else? How is that? Is that is well, it tough? Well, have an idea. We have an idea that, okay, if we're, if we're for example, we started with the Rangers, uh, Montreal. Uh, Gordon and I knew that we were going to also get Nashville, Chicago. Okay. So they become – they become my watch um, priority. Yep. Because I, I don't have to watch the Rangers and the Canadians again because I just did the game. Mm-hmm. And I go home and I make notes on the game. Then I, when I get home, I watch the um, the Blackhawks in Nashville. And I make notes after I've watched that game. Okay. And so the the tricky part is if you get dropped into a third series. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then... And then I'll be honest with you. Then you're you're scrambling because yeah. it's it's this is what I think about the job is that the viewer deserves the coverage of somebody that knows what the hell's going on. Now I can break down the game that I'm seeing, but I don't have any of the prior history of the series. Mm-hmm. And so if I get dropped into a third series, 
now I've got to start scanning games as fast as I can to um, to try and get myself up to speed. Um, you, I, I do um, like 90 minutes of reading every day, so I've got notes on all eight series. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't like if if I had to do. No. If I had to do Anaheim Calgary, which of course I don't because yeah. the series is over, I would I would have to go back and scan the games because while I have my notes, yep. I haven't seen a lot of what they look like. Of course, some yeah. guys will tell you they watch all the games. That's garbage because you can't. <laughs> no, it's yeah. How would you end up doing it with the travel schedule and game prep and everything else? Like, come well, on. you you can't. Right. And the, the, I'll tell you what does become tough is so a couple of days ago we did Rangers Montreal. Game three. The next morning, we got up at five and flew to Nashville to do Nashville-Chicago game three. Then the next day, we got up at six and flew back to New York to yeah. do Rangers-Montreal and, game four. And that's not a that's not a short commute. It's a good good flight, like a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a couple hours. Right. But the, but the, here's the tough part: is so a play will happen. And my brain is running, okay, did that happen in the Chicago game? Or was that in the New York game? Like, you got to get it all straight in a hurry. Right. And it's easier now that I've done it a few times. But the first couple times, you feel like you're, you know, you've just drank 73 cups of coffee. And you're like, <laughs> like the other night, some guy tweeted at me and said, hey, it's uh, it's Jordy Ben, not Jamie, Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben, yeah, I saw that. And, and I'm like, mm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't even know I said it. It, yeah, you know, it, and you're it, like, yeah. oh well, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, yeah, no, I, it's got to be tough. Um, a little bit before before we cover the games, a little bit of inside uh, uh, hockey here, TV stuff. I find it interesting, Ray. The U.S. networks do not cover the anthems on their TV broadcasts. Canadians do. Right. I also find it interesting. The U.S. networks, generally speaking, do not have the um, reporter. Um, in between intermissions, do any player interviews, and they have the analyst, you or, or Pierre, whoever, do a in-game coach interview or player interview or or right by the boards or whatever after the game. Little different styles, little different uh, tendencies. Yeah, it is, and the games are um, the way the games are produced and directed are a little bit different too. They are, eh? and yeah. so it, they, it just a different stylistically. I mean, I don't know if. Yeah, I don't know if one's better like, or not. You, know, you noticed yeah. about the no, but you noticed about the you know the interview styles and mm-hmm. the uh, and the anthems. Um, so in pregame, I'm doing two interviews before the game uh, that run in the pregame show. Um, if it's an NBC game, I do an interview from the ice right before the anthem, mm-hmm. and then I have the coach interviews uh, at the ten minute marks of the first and second period. Then I have a post game interview, mm-hmm. and so. It's it's just different. Yeah. And what I like about it, it's it's so different that you get pulled out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that to me is always kind of exciting sure. because it makes you think. It keeps you sharp. You know, we do we do the same format all the time at, in yep. at TSN, and for the NBC guys, it's the same format all the time. So if you've got to do something a little different, I don't know, it just adds a little bit of zip to it. I, I like it a lot. I like and the, I, yeah. and I enjoy working I enjoy working, as you know, between the benches as opposed to up top. Yeah. And uh like la- like the last game, the Rangers, um, you know, I can't really say what, what Steve Ott and Matt Zuccarello <laughs> were were arguing about. But 
it was so hard to not just start to laugh. <laughs> and it was also hard. I wanted to lean over to Zuccarello and say, this is what you should be saying now. <laughs> Let me help you. Let me. When, when Ott was giving it to him, right. like, the line, the response line was so obvious to me. Well, I don't because I don't see how because that's kind of what I had. That's right, that's what, what you, that's what you did. And I'm like, oh my god, he's he doesn't get it. He's not getting it. He's from, and there's a language thing. He's from Norway. Sort of, you know, he's from Norway. He doesn't know what ought, he doesn't know what this is about. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I I really wanted to help out there. Um, yeah, it's just different style. I think I noticed Ray because I kind of detest those between period interviews with players like those can completely go away and no one will miss them nothing is said 100 percent. they have become they're so bad the the biggest waste of time absolutely and and again and i i believe this is where i believe the league and the players association should work together because it only helps them meaning the league and the players yeah and to say hey guys look Part of this is it's going to take you out of your routine, whatever it is, between periods for 90 seconds. Lighten up with the answers a bit. It's okay to say something. Nobody else is seeing it except the viewer. <laughs> yeah. it, it makes us look better. Because I'll tell you what the routine is between periods. You walk in. Most guys take off their sweater and shoulder pads and elbow pads. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you can breathe a little bit. So you hang that up. You have something to drink. You might have a snack. You go take a whiz, and you come back, and mm-hmm. there's about five minutes left. You put your gear back on, and and the coaches come in. They do their little spiel, and out you go. The 90 seconds that you have to do to stop and do the interview it is really not an issue at all. But the players are so guarded yeah. about saying anything. Oh, you know, what brutal. happened on this goal? Well, I got the puck here, and so-and-so oh, drove the net, pucks in and deep. I shot it. we got to get pucks in deep. Yeah, thanks. It, you know, oh. What's got to change tonight? Well, we gotta we gotta manage the puck better. We gotta get it behind the defense and uh, I'm just, get traffic. I'm I'm blown away that a producer director of a game doesn't see those interviews and is like, okay, we're done with those. We're done. No, we're, they do. They do see them, but they kind of have to use them. Why? I, I don't know why, but they feel <laughs> like it's part of the format. Oh, I mean, you know, um, to me, if I didn't see another. Or put it this way: the the next player interview I see um, that tells you something makes me <laughs> makes me think. Oh, gee, that was cool. But will be the first in a while. But I did, in my opinion, the the two best interviews that I've done over the boards pregame this year mm-hmm. are Eric Carlson. Um, he did one in Ottawa, and it was awesome and kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was really good. Right. And then Rick Nash before Game Four. Uh, the other night, oh, yeah. I, I asked him about, you know, like, what do you, you know, how do you impose yourself on, on Andre Markov, who you've been battling with the whole series? And he talked about, look, I've got to use my size. I've got to skate more. I've got to get into the inside on, like, it was really, right. it might be obvious, but it was really earnest yeah. stuff. And I was like, you know what? That was a great, it was a great interview um, for for Nash prior to the game. And Most no, guys, no. you ask a question, I can tell you what they're going to say. Then I ask the second one, and I can tell you what they're going to say. But that's, you know, yeah. and that to me only hurts the viewing. Um, now, the in-game coach interviews you do, are those, those are stoppages, right? You're not in there. Yeah. Yeah, you're a, There's, yeah okay, so I'll tell you what happens there is at the 10-minute mark, the second, the second whistle without an icing. Yep. 
that's when I do the interview. So for the for, next, for the previous three minutes, I am cheering for that team so hard <laughs> because nothing sucks worse right. than they get scored on. There's a whistle 12 seconds later, and then you've got to go on the bench. Hey, hey coach, how's hey. it going? Hey, what's up? <laughs> they can see you coming, too. And the, in game one of the Montreal series, Claude Julien was arguing with the linesman. Uh-huh. And so i got to stand there and wait. <laughs> right? Well, right. in Montreal, you don't have a between-the-bench position. I was down in the corner where the guys that shovel the snow are. and so Wait, that's where you um, called the game from? Yeah. And so it's actually a really good spot oh. because you can see the whole ice. It's, it's not as good as the middle. Never is. But so anyways, I'm waiting there, and the producer's saying in my ear, man, you can't wait much longer. Yeah. And so I'm hoping, you know, what can I do? Say to Claude, hey, Claude, if you don't mind arguing here later, yeah. I've got to do this interview. Right. Because all I could think of was I'm going to get stuck there, mm-hmm. and then, well, I, then you're the calling doors the, are going to close, and I'm going to have to go and knock on the door to get back off the ice. I already feel like a knucklehead running across the ice. Oh, so, okay, so you don't go underneath. You go across the ice. There, no, because if I went underneath, take too um, long. it would take too long. Oh, ah, okay. And, oh, and so I would have to miss probably, like, for example, so I would have to go with ten and a half minutes left mm-hmm. in the period. Yep. So I go underneath, I'd be standing in the hallway. What if there's no whistle for four minutes? Yeah. Then Gord would have to do the game by himself for mm-hmm. four minutes. Yeah. And then I would go back, wow, and I'd miss another minute. It's really, really uh, intricate. Yeah. So you get out there and just hope that you don't get in the way of the snow shoveling guy. <laughs> and, uh, and off you go. Uh, the, fir- the first game, I, w- I get across there, and uh, Alain Vigneault, who I've known a long time, mm-hmm. and he's a really, he really gets it. He yeah. gets the media. He's, so I come out, and he sees me running across the ice. He's got a little bit of a smile, and he goes, what, you guys didn't pay any rights fees? How come you're over in the corner? <laughs> I go, I don't know. Jesus. Just... You know, let's just do the game, or let's do the interview. Uh, uh, are there coaches, are they is it planned? Like, hey, I'm going to talk to Vigneault here and Julian here. Yeah, home team. Home team. Um, okay. Is the first intermission. Okay. Or the first period. First, first period. Road team is the. Second. So the coaches know. Are they ever surprised? Do they forget? Do oh they... yeah, because they're so into. The That's game, what I mean. I think they yeah. forget. Right. Right. You know? Like it. Like um, the, like that like Vigneault forgets and he sees Ray Ferraro shuffling across what are you the doing ice. <laughs> it's funny though the assistant coaches they're you know they got a little less pressure so you know the you will go on the bench say hi to Scott Arneal or mm-hmm. Kirk Muller and you know hey how you going yeah. you know give yeah. a little quick little hello and then you get to the coach and and this I do feel like I want that interview you know I want my question to be short and crisp mm-hmm. so they can answer it however they want yeah. Um, and and I want and I want to get out of there. You know, I, it's their bench. I I really do feel like I'm in their workspace. Mm-hmm. I want it, I want the viewer to get something that they wouldn't normally get. But then I want to get the hell out of there. But it is cool for you, like you said. It's outside your comfort zone. It's something cool. Like like you it, come up. It with, is. You come up with the questions. It's uncomfortable or? though, yeah. Steve. You got to you know. So you're. You climb into the bench, and then you got to say to the defenseman, <laughs> uh, "Excuse me, hey, right. can I get through here?" Right. And, right. You know, they're, I know they're looking at you like. Okay, just beat it. I would chirp you. I would chirp you. I'd be like, whatever, well, Ferraro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you want. It depends if you've critiqued the guy or yeah. not. They might not love you. Landon, sure. Landon sucks or something. If uh, they, they don't say that. But they, <laughs> I, they, don't, they don't say – you know, most of the guys, I should say, most of the guys are really good. Yeah. They don't, 
they don't they don't really they just realize it now it's that's part of the yeah, way the game. Yeah, for is. sure. I, I do interviews with some riders here and there and I'm and I know these guys aren't fans of mine for whatever reason or they don't like the talking to the media perma- anyways, but they you know, they finish well in the result in the race and I have to talk to them. And I can tell I'm like these guys are mailing it in. I'm like, "All right, we're done." Like I don't keep going like i'm like if you don't if you're not going to give me anything then i'm done you know so well after game two in montreal we interviewed uh carrie price mm-hmm. and um or i'm sorry it was game three mm-hmm. uh in new york when the uh the canadians won yep and i could tell from the second he came over there he wanted to be just about anywhere else but yeah where he was yep, exactly and you're just like okay look let's end this peacefully and get it through uh, let's let's move it along <laughs> yeah um do you want to talk about the Kings and Sabers, or do you want to go into the series? What do you What do you want to? Well, say? I think Sabers. Let's get the coaches out of the way first, and then we'll get to the playoffs. So and- while we were gone uh, this morning, uh, it's uh, Thursday. Um, the Pagulas, the owners of the Sabers, relieved uh, Tim Murray and Dan Balsma from the GM and coach position, which. I admit it's a bit of a shock. We heard the Eichel story about if he, I'm not re- re-signing, if, if uh, the coach is still here, the agent came out to refute that. But clearly, Ray, there was something going on. And clearly, once again, the Buffalo Sabres are kind of getting snickered at a little bit. Um, there, is, there is a lot of snickering um, around Buffalo sports teams. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, true. You know, <laughs> right. the, the Pagoulas came in and there was, you know, um, there was really a sense that, okay, finally yeah. we have a deep-pocketed ownership that will bring stability. Unfortunately, it's been very unstable um, under their ownership. You know, the, the Bills have been through a couple of coaches. Now the Sabres have been through a couple of coaches. Yep. Um, you know, they're paying a lot of money for people to not coach their team <laughs> and to not manage their team now with Tim Murray as the general manager fired. So now the Eichel stuff, I, I always – this is what I believe, okay. is that there's, it's like a divorce. There's his side, there's her side, and then there's the truth. And so there is, you know, um, this, the story about what purportedly Jack Eichel said. Mm-hmm. There's the story about what Jack Eichel said he said, <laughs> and then there's the truth. Right. Somewhere in there <laughs> is the truth. And unless we're sitting in the meeting or unless – you can get Jack Eichel to drink truth serum. You're not going to really know what happened. But I do know that there was dysfunction and, and disappointment and friction in Buffalo this year. And so they, they felt they would be further along than they were. Now, remember, Tim Murray's first move when he became the Sabres general manager is he, made, he traded a first-round pick to Ottawa for Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to settle the goaltending down. Well, it hasn't. They got Jack Eichel. I think Jack Eichel's a terrific player. He is. I started watching him more at the end of this year when he was on fire, and he's he's like I don't care. He's not Connor McDavid, but he makes something happen almost every time he's on the ice. He's a great. player. Oh, he's such a good player. Yeah. Now, and you have to remember as well that the uh, twice in Tim Murray's tenure, they were amongst the worst teams in the league, and they lost the lottery twice. Mm-hmm. So they could have had McDavid and Ekblad, and they didn't get either of them. Mm-hmm. Now, just think of how that changes the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. You know, Steve, we've talked a couple of times about as much as the, the Maple Leafs have done just about everything right in their rebuild, if they don't get Austin Matthews, it's not the same. Like, you've got to get yeah. lucky, too. 
even if you have the worst record, you still have to get lucky to get the right bingo ball. Mm-hmm. The Sabres didn't twice. Now, they got Eichel, who, of course, is very good, and Sam Reinhardt, who's a good player. But they would have a cornerstone centerman and a mm-hmm. cornerstone defenseman. I mean, that's, yep. I mean, that's gold. They didn't get it. Now, the other thing that happened, and I think, you know, I think people generally know this, but it probably gets washed away, is that Mike Babcock was poised to become the Buffalo Sabres head coach. Yeah, like how close was that, do you think? Oh, that was, that was within... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, within a whisker. Oh, wow. And so then the Leafs came in. They, they, they finalized what turned out to be their last offer uh, to Babcock. Mm-hmm. Um, he took the Toronto job. Now, had Babcock turned that job down, Guy Boucher was the coach in Toronto. Boucher was in Toronto and was going to be the coach. When This is how the dominoes mm-hmm. fall. So Babcock signs in Toronto. Boucher drops out. And Bilesma gets hired in Buffalo. Bilesma had taken a year yeah. away after getting fired by the Penguins. Right. So and Bilesma got a five-year deal, right? So he's got three years. He's got, he's got three years of cash coming. Disco Dan sitting on cash. <laughs> yeah, you know. So he's you know Dan's not fifty yet, and so you you have to you have to look at this in the big picture. So he was hired halfway through a season. They won a Stanley Cup when uh, yeah when the when he took over in Pittsburgh. Then eventually he was fired, gets rehired, gets fired again rather quickly. Mm-hmm. And so now he becomes a coach that's out there looking for work again. Now there's four teams that don't have coaches. Uh, Los Angeles, where it's rumored John Stevens has the inside track. Mm-hmm. He was, he's been the associate coach there under Daryl Sutter. Vancouver mm-hmm. doesn't have a coach. Um, Travis Green, Florida, right? Travis Green Florida is looking. does not have a coach. And Buffalo. Now, so there's four teams without a coach already right now. And, you, and so the coaching pool is interesting because there's already been coaching changes this year in, well, Dallas. Um, in Dallas, where Hitchcock's taken over. St. Louis, where Mike Yo has taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas, where Gerard Gallant is now the first coach. The Islanders, where Doug Waite took over. So there's, there's been this huge turnover in coaches and will continue in the, in the near future as those four teams yeah. start to fill up their spots. Now, you live in Vancouver. Uh, you haven't been there for two months, but um, Travis yeah. Green looks like Travis Green is the front runner, or do we? I, I don't know. What, okay. you know I would have said so um, immediately. Now there are these rumors that they want to talk to Ralph Kruger. Um, uh, for those that don't know who Ralph is, he uh, was a longtime coach of the German national program. Um, he's a very, um, very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, coached the Oilers for one year and then was fired, fired. via Skype. Right. Fire which Skype. is maybe the most classless firing of all time. Come on, Mac um, T, right? Yeah, I mean, that just that just... That sucked on so many levels. Right. Anyway, he yeah. he's been the chairman of Southampton in the English Premier League soccer. That's his current job, and he took a sabbatical to coach Europe at the World Cup, and they had an outstanding tournament. Ralph's a communicator. He is um, a leadership guy. 
Um, you know, that's kind yeah. of his specialty. Now, whether he's talking to the Canucks about management or coaching, nobody seems to know. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't think anything's a foregone conclusion in Vancouver. Um, I do think Travis Green is an NHL coach yeah. and will be so very shortly. Uh, the LA Kings, in my opinion, and again, just as a guy, you know, on the couch, I get, this is a disaster move waiting to happen. So they can Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter. I get that. You know, they have some bad contracts that Lombardi has done. Sutter's time was probably up. So I totally get the fact that they got let go. Um, you know, there's some bad deals that Lombardi signed and, you know, mm-hmm. and he got out of the Mike Richards deal. Even remember, remember that was also not a good one, but anyways, Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille. Robitaille's been there forever, of course, on the business side of things. And then Rob Blake has been, you know, sort of behind the scenes. But this doesn't work. We saw Sackick and In what Waugh. way? Sackick and Waugh. Linden's not working okay, out. Okay, whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, different. Okay. Joe Sackick hadn't done anything in, in management. Okay. Patrick Waugh had never been in NHL management. Patrick's a control freak and wanted every decision to go through him even though he wasn't the general manager. Mm-hmm. Rob Blake has been uh, Dean Lombardi's assistant general manager for the last four years. He worked at the league prior to that as part of the Department of Player Safety. Luke's the president. Yeah. The president's not making hockey decisions. Rob Blake is. Okay, so you don't, you don't think it's going to be – it's more uh, – this is on Blake's shoulders? and I just figured – Oh, uh, Blake – Rob is the GM. I think Rob is – Put it this way, everybody that's in the NHL, all 30 general managers and all 30 coaches at one time were never a head coach or a general manager. You always have to be, you you always have your initial opportunity. Mm -hmm. Somebody takes a a leap of faith. I've known Rob Blake since 1995 when I got traded to Los Angeles. I don't know how he's going to be as a general manager. The, you know, the future will tell yeah, us that part right, of the story. Right. He is calm. He's measured. He's respectful. He's a, he's a really quiet leader, and people will want to work for him. He's just, he's one of those, he's just one of those guys. You, know, you probably run across many where you go, oh, I could see myself working for that guy. Yeah. The list is as long as your arm that would do that for Rob Blake. I, I think the biggest challenge they've got, you touched on earlier, Steve, is they've got a mess on their hands. Mm-hmm. So they've got six years of Marion Gabrick's contract left. What do you do th- with that? <laughs> You've got six years of Andre Kopitar's contract left. Yeah. I think there's a lot better season ahead of Kopitar now, yeah, than he, he had this year. He, had, he fell off a cliff. but So I don't know if you could say for sure, hey, Kopitar's a bad deal because he could rebound. You no, know? I think I, I don't. I think he will rebound. Right. Dustin Brown's contract. He's not is an rebounding. Anvil. He's not rebounding. No. Gabrick's not rebounding. You know. You know that's so. an anvil. Drew Doughty has a year and a bit, uh, two years left on his contract yeah. before he's an unrestricted free agent. Like that's another huge pothole coming down the road. The the Kings have a a style and a format and a way of playing that they have been unrelenting on how they draft and develop their players. That's been Dean Lombardi's vision. Mm -hmm. They've got two Stanley Cups, but the vision has to change. They've got to get younger. They've got to get faster. They've got to change the way that they view the game. You can't just bludgeon people anymore. You've got to have people that can score. The Kings don't score. Mm -hmm. They never score. And that has to change. And I do think one of the... One of the major advantages you have when you bring in new people 
is they do see things a little differently. I just, like when I look at a yeah. team, Steve, I'm unbiased. I don't care if they right. win or lose or not. It's easy for me to say, I think this team's weaknesses are this. Because I have no emotional investment in who was drafted, who, wasn't, who was traded for. I don't care about any of that because I don't have any skin in the game. Now, maybe when you get into it, things change a little bit. And I, and I think that becomes a downfall. The Dean Lombardi's biggest downfall as a general manager is he was way too loyal mm-hmm. to the players that had won Stanley Cups. Like when I, I, don't know, I don't know if Bill Belichick's a good guy or a bad guy, yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you, he, he looks at that team and he's like, got to move you along. Thanks yeah. for the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, right? and, yeah. and I think it sucks, but that's what a cap world does. Yep. You have to be, you have to have almost ice water in your veins when you're making decisions because it's not a decision on a robot. It's a decision on a guy you probably like mm-hmm. and a guy that's just helped you win. A guy you went to his house for a barbecue at some point or yeah, whatever. But you can't give Marion Gabrick seven years. Yeah. You can't do it. They yeah. did. Now what the hell are they going to do with it? Yeah. I, I just, uh, I don't know about these players, Ray. You're a former player, so you're going to stand up. But, I mean... Just uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see, right? Like, what do you just, mean you don't know? About well, which like, 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 like Linden, for example, or I mean, Shanahan's done well. It's been worked out. It's great. Um, you yeah. Know. Well, you know what the difference is? I'll give you one difference sure. there. Shanahan's got nothing to do with the player personnel decisions anymore. You don't think he's, he's driving? You don't think he's driving any of that stuff anymore? No. Oh, okay. It, it, if you know Lou Lamarillo at all, yep. Lou's in charge. When when they talked about that, they had. Uh, four legs are on the table, and they've yeah. got three of them with Mark Hunter and Mike Babcock and Shanahan. Most people felt the the next guy was going to be like the fourth leg on yeah. the table yeah. when they were going to hire a general manager. Yeah. What they hired was the top of the table. <laughs> so, like, right. Lou is making the deals. Now, I think Shanahan has input for sure, right. 100%. But in other cases... The presidents get involved in the hockey decisions yeah. on, a, on a far too frequent basis. And then you end up with a split message, and I don't think that works. I kinda, Luke Robitaille yeah. will have Blakey's ear because they're friends, yep. and they've worked together for a long time, and they'll discuss things. But in my mind, there is, there is zero chance mm-hmm. that there will be a conflict between the two of them, and Rob will have last say. Right. And when we point to Sackick and Linden, Linden, I think it's a, a you know maybe the jury's not out, not decided yet on that. But when you when we point to Sackick and Linden, it's more like what were those guys doing before, and they weren't in hockey. Is that where yes. you come from? I, yeah. See, there's there's people that think they can go from broadcasting to the general manager's booth. Yeah, there are. Or the general manager's suite. There are. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I couldn't be a general manager now. Yeah. I could be an assistant general manager. I think I have plenty to offer as far in a management role. But I couldn't possibly go because I have no experience. Yeah. Anyone that thinks they can is naive. They're out to lunch. They can't do it. Yeah. I, I, you have to. They, you just. You can't be. I could know a lot about fixing cars. I couldn't be a mechanic. Right. You know, because you have to have some experience in it. I could know a lot from reading a book, but then you get thrown into the deep end, and you're like, uh, wait a minute, that's not quite like Chapter 11. Right. Yeah, no, okay. All right. I get it, for sure. Um, let's get, wow. Well, 
I said, oh, let's get to the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I know. Let's let's, the good I, I, I got questions about Galan and Hitch, but forget it. Let's get to the playoffs. We'll, uh, we got other times for Galan and Hitch. Um, all right, so let's touch on the series that you're in tonight and you and the, and the Habs Rangers first because uh, you, you're most uh, plugged in with that. But, um, yeah, Nashville, Chicago. Blackhawks are one win away from being swept. This is amazing. Um, what what's been happening, Ray? Why? Um, I would I would say what the Hawks used to do to people, mm-hmm. the Predators are doing to the Hawks, and that's they're fast. They control the um, the Predators are, are fast. They control the puck. Um, their top line has of uh, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson has totally outplayed the Taves line. Uh, Jonathan Taves the other night in Game Three, he looked sluggish. Mm-hmm. Like he, he looked like he was having trouble keeping up with the uh, the speed of of Nashville. He didn't have the puck much, and it was really kind of like eye catching to me. The Chicago core that we've become so accustomed to to thinking they can dig themselves out of any hole. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane, uh, you can add Artemi Panarin to that. Marion Hosa, Jonathan Taves. Nick Jalmerson and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, mm-hmm. they've had no impact on the series. None. And that's, that's shocking to me. It is. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? Like it, and, it, and, you know, like you've got to look at things like Seabrook's going to be 32 mm-hmm. later this month uh, in a couple of days. Right? So Keith has played a million play, 125 playoff games. Jalmerson, 127. Seabrook, 122. Yep. That's all in a very small time frame, add mm-hmm. into it World Cups and Olympics and long playoff runs. Man, these guys have played a lot of hockey, and it looks like they're, they're worn down a bit. If you look at Nashville's their, fresh. Yeah. Their defense is super mobile. Like when you, when you look at Roman Yossi's probably as underrated a player as there is in the league. Ryan Ellis had 16 goals this year. P.K. Subban's their fourth defenseman behind Matthias Ekholm. Like, those guys can skate and they can move the puck. Mm-hmm. So Chicago can't control the play. Every time they think they're in control, one of those D gets the puck and zoop, bump, they go again. <laughs> right. Um, and Rene's been good from games I watched. He's been good. Yes, he's, he's been, been excellent. He's been he very is, good. Uh, yep. um, in game three, uh, Corey Crawford was outstanding. 46 saves. Mm-hmm. Amazing game for him. But Rene has been solid and made every save he's had to. And when he's been really pushed, he's made those saves too. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how much you looked into the uh, Blackhawks. Like, maybe they were pushed a bit hard uh, to, you know, to, to get first, uh, to catch the Wild and pass them and win the division. Um, and when you look at their underlying numbers of, like, five-on-five five scoring, their special teams haven't been good all year long, and they're five-on-five. They're five. No, they live five-on-five. Five yeah. Because their special teams have been no good. Here's, so the Blackhawks live five-on-five. Five. They've been outscored eight-to-one in the series, five-on-five. Five. Yeah. So it's kind of like so if, it, it, you know. that's a bad way to live if you're getting outscored <laughs> by seven. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, I think Nashville wins this, right? I mean, uh, maybe not tonight. Uh, I do. But. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Something tells me that that Chicago's going to win tonight, and and maybe it's just because I'm remembering the Blackhawk championship teams. Yeah. Um, and and they had a two nothing lead in the third period the other night. Yep. You know, so I. I wouldn't be terribly shocked if they win. And if I'm the Blackhawks, I can guarantee you the guys are talking about. 100%, I can guarantee they're talking about. We win tonight. We go back home. We win there. Now all the pressure flips to Nashville. Yep. Like, that's, that's, yep. All, the, that's all they're concerning themselves with. 
And we used to have three nothing leads never be blown. Uh, there was like two of them in whatever eighty years, you know. And yeah. we've seen, I think, three three nothing leads in the last uh, I don't know half dozen years. You know. Well, like, and and again, this is to me, this is parody. Yeah. You know that the the so the a lot of cases a team would be up three nothing, and and it's so clear they're the better team. Right, like it's just right. it's obvious. Like when you were so, with the Islanders against the Rangers. Yeah, I mean we right. lost six nothing, six nothing, five two. I mean, like the series should have been over then, but they made us play another game. Right. But now you look, you know, at the teams that were were up three nothing. St. Louis was up three nothing on Minnesota, and they had been outshot and outchanced, mm-hmm. and they were dominated in the faceoff circle. And oh, they're up three nothing. Anaheim had won three. One goal games. They won three two, three yep. two, and then they were down four one, and they won five four in overtime. Right, like that's yep. even though it was three nothing. You're like, yeah. if you're Calgary, oh, like, yeah. man, how did that? How did we get down three nothing? Well, and one of and, and the winning goal was deflected off a sh- you know a pass in the slot. You know what I mean? In, right. g- in game I mean, two, like yeah. they were like they. So those those examples tell us that being down three nothing is really daunting, but. You can you can get yourself back in the series now. Minnesota wins Game Four last night in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and now you're like, well, wait a minute. Minnesota can yeah. they can win a game yeah. here at home? Of course they can. They've they've been the better team for a large part of all four games. Mm-hmm. So why can't they win again? Well, then it's three two, and oh boy, here you go, right? A Chicago wins means you can't go home, though. So I can see Chicago scoring and you being, oh, that's really unfortunate, Gord. <laughs> that's a bad break there right there. <laughs> I'm not going to get to Riley's baseball game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so Habs Rangers, I've been tuned into um, the whole series, and it's 2-2. In my opinion, the Habs have been better almost all four games, for sure three of the games. Um, oh, they weren't in Game Four. Yeah, no, the, but they even Not, no. But even New in, York was better. But even in late in Game Four, the Habs started taking over again, and I'm like, oh boy, well, here okay, they come. Okay, so look at the, you know. look at these two teams. Montreal's yeah. got 103 points. The Rangers got 102. Mm-hmm. So, in any of the games, to to think that somebody's going to grab the series and run away, I think would be, you know, you, yeah. you don't. You know, you're just naive or you're, or you're a real fan of one of the teams. Right. So, you know, the first game, the Rangers win 2-0. Um, they score early and then the empty net goal. Yep. They, in the last two periods, they outshot Montreal 26-15. So they kind of, in my opinion, it was a tight game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, easily could have been either way, but yep. the Rangers deserved to win game one. Montreal deserved to win game two, even though they had to come back and tie the game with 17 seconds left. They had 58 bloody shots. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were terrific in Game 2. I thought the Canadians were perfect in Game 3. Mm-hmm. Like, they deserved to win Game 3. And then Game 4, I'm like, you know what? The Rangers played a, a terrific game, yet Weber hits the post with 55 seconds left. Yep. And that game could have gone to overtime. So I think Game 5 tonight is going to be the same. Yeah. And then I think Game 6 is going to be the same. And one one really good team is going to go home. Yeah, like that's this is a tough first round series because both teams are incredibly evenly matched. Doesn't it seem like okay? So when I look at the two teams, neither one ha- you know neither one is the the Capitals or you know the seventy seven right. Habs or anything. But boy, like 
the 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 skill players for and including uh, your buddy Gallagher and Radulov and even Galchenyuk, it seems like the skill players for the Habs have woken up a little bit. Like I, they they kind of a grinding team a little bit. But now I watch them and I'm like, oh, there's a great chance. There's a great play. Like, well, they they really are. They they have they have good offensive players, not great offensive mm-hmm. players. Um, you know, it would help if Pacioretty can get on the board. He's got 19 shots, but no goals yeah. in the first five ga- uh, four games of the series. I actually think he's played pretty well. He just hasn't been able to score. Uh, Gallagher has been an absolute pain in the ass yep. the entire series. He, I think he's yeah, had he's an good. outstanding series. Markov and Weber have been terrific yep. for Montreal. And then when I look at the Rangers, that's as good a game as Rick Nash has played that I've seen yep. in a while. In Game Four, he was angry. He drove the net. He controlled the puck. I thought he was he was outstanding in the game. But the Rangers are two two in a series where they've got nothing from J T. Miller. He had twenty two goals. Mm-hmm. They got nothing less than nothing from Kreider. He had twenty eight goals. Um, Derek Stepan has not not done much in the series as well. Yeah. Um, so you know you can look at it and oh these guys have been good and those few guys haven't been good. And the series is 2-2, and it's probably where it should be. Mm -hmm. And the cool part about these these 2-2 series is you've battled your brains out, and you've gotten nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're beat (laughs) up and you're tired. And this is where depth and mental toughness and whatever resolve you can dig up comes to the forefront. So it's Toronto-Washington, Montreal and the Rangers, Edmonton and San Jose, They've been clubbing each other over the head for a week here, mm-hmm. and now it's a best of three. Radulov's been great. Is it funny though? Isn't it? You know, he leaves the league in uh, dis- in disgrace. Yep, he gets uh, um, yeah he he um, gets benched for a playoff game in Nashville. Yeah, because yep. he was out the night before a right. game at two in the morning. Yep. They benched him and Sergei Kostitsin. He goes back to the KHL, does well. I don't know if you remember the footage of him bonking a coach on the head. No, I don't. With his stick. I oh don't. yeah, just look it up on the internet. <laughs> You know, it's not like he's been right. He's been this, you know, yeah. model citizen that oh, this is a, a you know, yeah. this is a sure file fire get for the Canadians. Yeah, no, There's not at all. Risk to this. Oh, people were talking about Alexander Semin deal. You know, they're just like, what are they doing? Bringing well, this yeah. Guy the back. difference was yeah. the the Caps or no Carolina gave mm-hmm. Semin seven years, mm-hmm. and and the Canadians gave Markov yeah. one year or uh, gave Radulov right. one year. Yeah. And so it's a little bit, you know, it mitigates the risk a little bit. Sure, yeah. But um, he's been he's been excellent. He's been their yep. their most creative player in the series. Um, all right. So quickly, uh, Habs Rangers. Who wins? Best of three. Um, best of three. I now. picked. Who did I pick here? Let me take a look. I think you picked that Habs on our, on my show on our show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to look right here. Yeah, I got Montreal in seven. I'll stay there. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, by the way, I have Columbus in six, which seems to be a problem. <laughs> it does. I don't know if that's going to work out so well. Yeah, considering they're down three-one. Yeah. Um, I, I did get I did get uh, Anaheim right, so I'm I'm going to claim victory there. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, Although I had it in six, so but really, who cares? We, but it, right. it could have easily been six, like we just talked about. It's it's been Brian Elliott melted down, and, and you know what? You know what? It's pretty interesting. We're you know you and I are big baseball fans, and. Um, you know, some teams don't match up for a pitcher. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, yeah. guy can be having a great year, and they just get their ass kicked against one particular team mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Brian Elliott 
in uh, I well he didn't get the loss last night. No, but um, he is because he got pulled after Six, after yeah. one goal. How about that patience? How about Gullison? Well, just see, be- they shouldn't. Have, in my opinion, they shouldn't have started him. No. Okay. If if you're if you're that uh, if it's that quick, yeah. A pull. I I don't. I think they probably should have started started uh, Chad Johnson. Mm-hmm. But I I believe um, Elliott in his career going into Game Four was one ten and three against um, uh, the Ducks uh, against oh, really? Anaheim. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. that might be like it might just be one of those teams that for whatever reason he probably shouldn't play against. Oh, uh, um, all right. Let's get to the Leafs Caps. Um, it's been great. It's been exciting. I've been pumped. If they lose, I'm still okay with this. This has been a really good run. Um, last night, boy, did they start sluggish, Toronto did. I, I don't know. Man, you'd think they'd be so stoked. They're up 2-1. They're at home. They could you know, put a stranglehold on it. And they came out so flat. And kind of like what okay, they did but, the game So before, here's the but, thing, though. You, you're a Leafs fan. Yeah. Did they come out flat, or was Washington just so good? No, they were flat. They, 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 their passes weren't connecting. They were missing guys. They were sending the puck down the ice uh, when they had. Right, cle- and the Caps had nothing to do with that. I don't think they did. Oh, stop! I it. don't. I, I mean, the Caps take off are- your bloody blue glasses. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, Seriously, I- Washington, Washington played like their season was on the line. And it's easy to say, well, why don't they do that more? Well, yeah. Because the other team often doesn't let you do that more. Maybe Toronto was 5 or 10% off what they should have been, but I think the Capitals game elevated yesterday. Mm-hmm. You don't score four goals in a period well, unless you're playing pretty well. Freddie Anderson and there is a was, point there. So don't forget, the Leafs got it back to 2-1. Yep. They were, they were fine. And the puck was and rolling the, in. It was rolling in at 2-1. Right, Tom Wilson pushes it off the mm-hmm. line. And not only does he push it off the line, but Holtby could have kicked that back in. True, yep. Like yep. when after Wilson hit it off the line, yep. um, Holtby, you know, he doesn't know where it is. And yep. He moves his foot back and he punts it back behind the net. So the play goes up the ice. There's that train wreck outside the, <laughs> the Leafs' blue line. It looked like bowling pins there. Yeah. And, and somehow out of all that, Washington gets a 2 on one Mm-hmm. Right, like the puck could have bounced somewhere else, but it didn't, and they score. Um, you know that that top line for for Washington had you know had three goals last night. I think Nick Backstrom is an amazing player. He had a couple assists. Um, so Oshie with two and Ovechkin with one. Tom Wilson had the game another of his one. Life, yeah. yeah, screw Tom you know, Wilson last night. Yeah, screw him. And and then and then so, but still, it's four two. And the Leafs have their own minute and fifty-five second two-man advantage at yep. the start of the third. Yep. And I often talk about this. I, I must talk about it a lot to the point where Gord, uh, Gord Miller, called Elias Sports Bureau to <laughs> to check it out, and he's like, you know, just in case I was full of crap, but. Um, you know, because I didn't have any numbers. It's just my recollection yep. of being a player that played on the power play. A lot. I had you know over a hundred power play goals in my career. Mm-hmm. Power plays at the start of periods, for some reason, just don't work. I don't know why. I mean, sometimes they score, of course, but most often, everybody thinks that oh, the ice is fresh. Yes. And the power play yes. is great. It doesn't matter. I think it's because you're you've been sitting around for fifteen minutes. Um, you're not engaged, 
And so the penalty killers just have to get the puck and shoot it down the ice. You've got to make a good play. Yeah. And then you've got to beat the goalie. So they start with a minute 55 on the power play. They, they, I mean, what a chance that would have been. Could you imagine? Oh. Had they scored, it would have been 4-3 with 18 minutes left. And my goodness, the Capitals would be nervous. Yep. But they killed it off. And so now they can breathe a little bit. Then the Leafs get a huge break. That puck's about four feet outside the blue line. <laughs> it hits the linesman and goes back in. Yeah. And Matthew scores. So now, now here's another chance they have. And then for the second time last night, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but the Leafs looked like a peewee team for about four seconds. And all of a sudden, oh, she's got the puck off a nice backstrom pass. And, yep. You know, it's like 50 seconds later after it's 4-3 now. No, it's I know. You know, so the, the, Leafs, the Leafs had two absolute train wrecks for goals against. Anderson, I didn't think, had a very good night. No, that, I, thought, I thought Freddie was, yeah, he was average for sure. But you know what? Yep. He's allowed to be average yep. because yep. he's been brilliant in the first three games. Mm-hmm. And so, as we just said a few moments ago, so now the Leafs and the Capitals have been bashing each other over the head for four games, and it's now a best of three. Two, two things, I think, adjustment-wise that the Caps made that was really important for them. One was they flipped Brett Connolly and Tom Wilson. So Wilson moved up with Lars Eller and Andre Burakowski, and Connolly moved down to the line with Beagle and Winnick. Now, why that was important was that it meant that they weren't going to play Jay Beagle's line as much against Matthews. Mm-hmm. So the Caps basically played 10 forwards last night. Winnick, Daniel Winnick and Connolly had under 10 minutes of ice time. Or, I'm sorry, under 7 under minutes seven, of ice time. Yeah. And so they played 10 forwards, and a lot of times now they had a more offensive group out against Matthews. And, and I, I would say they had, a, they had a harder night last night. Mm-hmm. The second part was they, they moved Matt Niskanen into the matchup as much as they could against Matthews. Niskanen's an underrated player, he's a really good skater. Um, not real physical guy, but real good skater, um, good defender. And so they played him and Dmitry Orloff um, against the Matthews group. Yeah, I, th- I thought um, uh, Orpik and uh, Shattenkirk have not looked very good. They haven't, no, um, they haven't looked I'm good. not sure that this move to Washington is turning out the way Kevin Shattenkirk yeah. thought it might. Like, now, there's lots of people that that view Shattenkirk as a second-pair defenseman, mm-hmm. which is where I view him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be paying him seven years and $7 million in the offseason. And sometimes a, you know, a, a potential free agent gets into a playoff series and some warts yeah. start to get shown. Like they look, they look slow. They both look slow yeah. against the Leafs. Neither of them are great skaters. Yeah. And it'll be interesting if Carl Alsner's eligible to come back and play. Do they take Nate Smith out and just put Carlson back or put Alsner back in? Yeah. Or do they make another move? But in any case, Trotz had been under the heat a little bit. You know, people, yep. most people felt that Mike Babcock was getting the upper hand here in the coaching matchup and the way that the games were tactically played. But the Caps made a couple of really sound adjustments yesterday, and, uh, and I think it helped uh, and went a long way to their win. Uh, the reason the Leafs have it tied 2-2, to me, has been just – look, and, you know, three games went to overtime, so it's, you know, it, could, it could be either way at, at this case. But the reason the Leafs are 2-2 is – I don't know if the Caps were ready for the speed. Like the D, they seem to be on 
the D of the Capitals right away without, you know, without fail. And then these guys can't get set, make a pass, make a clearing, you know, and all that. Well, but they played them 10 days earlier. It's the same guys. I know, but uh, maybe they... So this is, in my opinion, this is, you know, this is what I, I see is that the Leafs have been able to play too much of the first three games at their pace. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I guess is what you're saying. Is yeah. that You know, like the, the game's been fast and it's been open. That's not the capital strength. The capital strength, in, in my opinion, is that they're not a fast team, but they're a strong team. And so if they can cut the ice into quarters and keep the game in one quarter mm-hmm. of the ice for longer periods than the Leafs can make it go side to side and stretch out, yep. then the Caps have a great chance. Then the Caps will be the better team. But if the game, if the Leafs can get it out of the cycle in their defensive zone, yep. move it D to D, and then up the other side, the Caps are going to have problems slowing them down. And I think that's been the biggest difference in the first three games. Um, Ovechkin's almost a point per game player in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. you know he's been he's been good. But in his, in, we, the number wise, he's been good. But I, I I mean, as a Cap fan, I would want more from this guy. When you look at a Crosby, when you look at uh, well, you know, the great players over the years, they seem yeah, to elevate you, their game. Is, Steve, this yep. is where people have gone wrong on okay. Ovechkin. Tell us. Ovechkin is not the best player on their team. Nick Backstrom? Backstrom is. Backstrom, you think? Yeah. Well, Backstrom played 21 minutes last night. Do yeah. you think that Barry Trotz doesn't, that he forgets that he's got <laughs> Alex Ovechkin no, on the ice? No, I do not. No, I do not. So, he, there's a reason he plays 16, 17 minutes. Yeah, he got – I mean, he talked about getting him more ice time, but he only – Oh, they, yeah, but that's a, just basically yeah. to make everybody shut up Okay, and go away. yeah, yeah, right. You know, like, okay, I've answered your questions. <laughs> now, now go away. Right. There's a reason that Ovechkin doesn't play 20 minutes anymore. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not a super fast skater anymore. I, I would say if, if I were advising him, I would think about – like, the guy weighs 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I would gun. say, what, what do you think would happen if you got 10 pounds lighter? I think it could help him. Yeah, he, I don't think it's going to hurt. Correct me if I'm wrong, he, but he used to be fast. He used to zip up on the ice, right? Yeah, but he's also 31 years old. No, I know. Okay, yeah, so I'm not crazy. So, like so that, that happens. So right. Ovechkin, I think people have to realize he is a, he's a shooter and he can hit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's a shooter extraordinaire. And when he gets close enough to somebody and lays the body on them, my God, he's like a cement truck, right? He just runs right yep. through people. But last night in the game, so we talked about that five-minute, five-on-three, uh, one minute and 55 seconds, mm-hmm. the start of the third period. So Ovechkin's not on the ice for that, right, for yeah. two minutes. No, yeah. He's yep. not on the ice. Doesn't kill and then by the time you get that shift sorted out, you know, by the time the penalty kills over and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the puck didn't stop yeah. right away. Um, so that's probably three minutes that he's not in the game. Then the Leafs pulled the goalie with three and a half minutes left. Yeah. He's not going to be on the ice there either. Right. So that's six and a half minutes of the third period that he's not in the game. Yeah. Yeah. When you break it down like that, you're right. So, right. so I think that, you know, that in, in a lot of cases, I, you know, I, I mean, Ovi has been the leader in Washington forever. But he's not the best player. Interesting. And, and I, I think a, people need to realize that. Or a, they can keep complaining about his ice time. That's because, a hot take, though. Well, it's, <laughs> but you know in what? my opinion, like, it's the right take. Like, because 
I look at Nick Backstrom and I go, where does Nick Backstrom not impact the Caps game? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Well, for one, he's, he's everywhere. Yeah, for one, he's he a center. Penalties, right, he's yeah. on the power play. He takes yep. big faceoffs. He plays matchup minutes. He's everywhere. Where does Ovechkin play? The top of the left circle on the power play. <laughs> right. And he and he, he shoots absolute howitzers. Yep. And where else? Yeah. And on five on five, he comes down his 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 off wing and drifts to the middle and tries. Right. To, yep. Like he's you know so to me it's um it's pretty pretty clear and pretty evident. However, um you know I I mean Ovi's sheer presence in the game. Uh, demands attention from the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think happens? Please don't say the Capitals. Please don't say the oh, Capitals. You know I'm going to say the Capitals. Yeah, I, 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 I think mean, you're I think right. they're no. a better team. Yeah, I think they're a better team. Yeah, I, I thought the series would be really closely contested, and Washington would win in five. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprised that the Leafs were able to play their game as much as they have been. I've been really surprised, yep. and I've been really impressed. But I, I think Washington wins the series. I, I do too. I, I hate to say it, but I think they, yeah, I think they get some confidence. Last night going was and... a, I think, was a turning point for them in the way that they tactically attacked the game mm-hmm. and the way that they did play. Um, all right, uh, Sens Bruins. Eric Carlson Bruins, I should say, right? Uh, he's Eric been great. Carlson is he, brilliant. He's from that assist in game two. Was it the assist where he? he he, uh, that was in Game Three. Was that Game Three? Okay, to the yeah. to the pass, the lob pass. I oh, dude. Oh no, you're right. Oh no, the assist to Broussard in Game Two. Yes, and then the pass, the, the pass in Game, in game three. three to Mike Hoffman for the breakaway. Goal. Yes, and then the assist last, last night, night. Oh. on the only goal. Now, the 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 pass on Broussard is in Game Two. He's going <laughs> down the left. He's he doesn't even really look at him, and then he zaps it through the seam. Yeah. For Broussard, to sh- just a to, spectacular uh, example of his skating, his uh, vision, and his puck ability. Yeah. The play in Game 3 is <laughs> skill, it's courage, it's creativity. I can tell you. It I is courage, four- right? <laughs> it's courage. Oh, my God. He's got <laughs> right. the biggest church belt. He, I played 1,258 games. Not once <laughs> did I ever think, I'm in my own end. Right. I'm going to shoot it over everybody's head to somebody at the far blue and line. drop it down on the other blue line. <laughs> right. Like, right. come on. Uh, and the thing was, that looked to me, you know, I, honestly, I rewound that. Oh, I don't know, Steve. I bet you I watched it 15 times. <laughs> I was just amazed by it. And that looked like a quarterback and a receiver. Yep. Yeah. And... Because if you look at where Hoffman is, he's way out by the boards. And then he cuts through to the middle. Like, I don't know whatever connection they had on that play, but yeah. why would Hoffman know that he should go to the middle? They Trust me, they don't practice. No, no. And no defenseman. Every defenseman puts it along the boards and, and tries to hit well, him in a stretch or, pass. Or if they're going to try an a area pass, like a feather pass, it's going to be a six-foot pass. Yeah. Not, not a hundred and thirty feet right on the tape. It was. Yep. He's my, he's my new favorite player in the league to watch. <laughs> it used to be Pavel Datsuk. Yep. And when I was broadcasting Red Wings games, 
I had to make sure that I kept reminding myself that I'm not the leader of the Pavel Datsuk fan club <laughs> because I just loved the yeah. way he played. Yeah. The- and now when I, I do 25 Senators games, and I actually f- catch myself giggling at some of the stuff he does. Yeah. I think he's – I voted for him to win the Norris. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Brent Burns had an amazing season, and he's a, a totally unique player in the league. But I, I'm, I'm sold on Carlson. Yeah. I, I just – the guy is a, a superstar in the game. He's been great. He's been great. And they're 3-1. They're up 3-1. So, um, looking Well, how about – here's – you know, you – I was telling you, you know, when you prep the series, and yeah. even though I know I'm not going to um, get the Bruins in Ottawa, so I, I'm, you know, I'm like, man, I don't think Boston's had many shots. So I, I take a look. The last two games, so the two home games the Bruins had, they had 42 shots. Hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. And yeah. in the third period yesterday, uh, in game four, the Bruins went 13 minutes without a shot in a one nothing loss. Yep. That means for 13 minutes they could have had me or you in net, and the game would have stayed the score the same. Yeah, maybe not you. But yeah, well, I'm bigger though. You would have funneled one in. I was a goaltender. I did play, um, but uh, yeah, that's Guy Boucher. That's the that's the Senators. That's what they do. And and Eric Carlson, man, yeah, you've been talking about him on this show, Ray, for you know two months. We every time we touch on Ottawa or or something, you bring up Carlson, you know, and you're just like, I, I just yeah. See, I think the rap on Carlson has always been that he doesn't defend. Well, the way he doesn't defend in a traditional sense, but I think he's really bought in and really accepted that Boucher wants them to play a certain way. And if you get your best player doing it, it's yeah. what Detroit had for years with Datsuk yep. and yep. Zetterberg. Or Mordano, right? And Dallas, like the same. Right. Yep. Once you get your best guy doing it, how can anyone else not do it? Yep. So if I'm coaching, I'm looking around and I go, I got to get that guy to play my system. Because if I can get him, mm-hmm. if he believes it, then the other guys are going to believe it too. How much of Carlson's, uh, how much of, of everyone not sort of acknowledging Carlson as, you know, great? And I mean, he is. He's got a Norris trophy, right? He's got a Norris trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but how much of it, um, criticisms or people not coming around, is the fact that he's a European? Oh, I don't know. Do people still think that? I, I kind of I mean, think I so. Know. If they do, I think it, it goes to the, not very bright. I agree, but I think it goes to the Radulov thing. Like the guy do, has made dumb decisions, and he gets, but he still gets hammered for these things. Meanwhile, he's thirty-one years well, old. You know, he's yeah, got. But I don't. Like, I don't know. Of, name me another player that was out at two in the yeah. morning before a playoff. Well, game. I'm sure Ray. There's been some in your day. No, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there has been. I mean, dumb enough to, to get, get caught. caught. Right, exactly. Like so, he's out in a bar. At two in the morning, whether he's drinking or not is yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, no, I know. But he, you know, so but the thing about Carlson, I mean, if if some old grumpy guys don't want to acknowledge him because he's he's Swedish, yep. then the game is so far past them by. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, all right, let's. Uh, we don't have a ton of time, but let's get uh, Oilers Sharks. Connor McDavid said, "Hey, whether you lose by one goal or seven, it doesn't matter. It's all just a loss, so we'll move on." But man, yep. I gotta think a seven nothing uh, defeat not so much hangs on the Oilers, but jumps up the Sharks. Uh, or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, maybe. You know what? You know what would really be important to the Sharks is they got four power play goals. Mm-hmm. 
Last year, they had one of the league's best power plays. They got the same guys, yeah. but for whatever reason, their power play stunk this year. Exactly the same power play, mm-hmm. but it stunk. In the playoffs, they were no good in the first three games, got shut out twice, and then they get four in game four. So maybe you can look at it a healthier Couture, a healthier Thornton. That certainly helps them out. Um, I don't think the score in Game 4 will have anything to do with how Game 5 will play out. No, you don't think so? Okay. No, I don't. I, uh, I think if the Edmonton Oilers can get their, you know, same like Toronto, if they can get their speed game going, take the puck out of one quadrant of the ice, mm-hmm. move it mm-hmm. side to side and stretch the ice, I think, that they, I think that they can win. If the game stays in a corner of the ice, like in one quadrant, I think they're in trouble. Okay. Um, what do you think happens? I picked Edmonton in seven yep. before the before the season. I'm right. just I'm staring at my uh, <laughs> my picks now, and I, I've got Edmonton in seven. So I um, just stay with that. You know, it's funny. You know, like you pick a team, Edmonton in seven. So what you're saying, of course, is they will lose three times in the next ten days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's maybe a different way of looking at it, but it. To me, it, yeah. you really got to understand that, man, a, a seven-game series means you're going to get booted in the shins a couple of times hard. Yep. And how, how do you find your way back? The dry sidle spear, just a fine. Uh, what do you think of it? I, I know what you well, think about that. I don't even know what I, to ask Given you. the way the league is called this right. stuff, that's fine. <laughs> um, I, think they, I think they need to send a, a memo, like have a little discussion here and send a memo that uh, starting – a certain date, maybe it's next season, that play, or even after the play, after this round, send a memo to the teams, show everybody video of that and of Markoff's play on Rick Nash in the first game, mm-hmm. and say, um, from this point forward, that's likely to be a one-game suspension. Can you explain to me, Ray, now again, I, I, I don't, I've never played in the NHL. I never really played much hockey at all. Never got very high or very good at the game. But um, can you explain to me, Ray, why a human being of you know, generally good intellect and, and hard work and makes – why do you spear a guy in the nuts for really no reason? Because uh, you're frustrated. <laughs> I mean – I, just, I did it once. Okay. And um, I got a fine from the league. Now, there was no, not as many cameras yeah. uh, back then. <laughs> and so Brian Burke was the uh, uh, chief disciplinarian at the time. And he's, basically I got a note that said, I know what you did, but we can't see it. So I'm going to fine you until you don't do it again. <laughs> well, we can't see it. I mean, so yeah. it was. I missed a breakaway, and the guy was coming to to run me into the corner in uh-huh. New York. And I turned around, I saw him coming, and I'm like, "You're not running at me." Okay, that's a little bit of self defense. Is not acceptable, but it's a little bit of self defense. Not. It was not acceptable. Okay, but and if a guy's cross checking, and I didn't you, like the guy that was coming at me. So. <laughs> you actually had enough time to calculate that, also. Like, well, I don't. Well, I mean, you know I, what yeah. he looks like. No, I know, but you're like, and I, I don't like, like seconds. You. I'm like, screw you. <laughs> But like I get the guy who's getting cross checked back in the head, you know I get a, and I get a retaliation stuff. Yeah, um, I get all that. But out of the blue, you're just like, come on. Why? Man. Why Drysital did that? I have. I mean, I I don't. It, there, yeah. it, I don't know. He was frustrated, <laughs> I guess. But 
like to me, that's why I, I thought that should be a one-game suspension because there was only 27 minutes left in the game. You know, it's not like there was – No. I think it was 27. It might have been 23 minutes. Like, it's not like it was a whole game that he missed, and the outcome was already decided. Yep, yep. So I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Um, Pittsburgh, Columbus. Over. Ironic, though. Mark andre Fleury is pulling a Matt Murray on Matt Murray. Right? What do you mean? Well, he's in. Well, yeah, he doesn't have a choice. But, I just mean. It's like Matt Murray didn't have a choice. You go in and. No, um, I know, but it's just it, it, the same thing's happening. Like, Fleury had a concussion, kind of lost his role. Yeah. And, you well, know. Hey, what about this? Last year, I want, you know, I, I think people might forget, you know, you brought up Murray came in and took over for Fleury. Yeah. But really. The Penguins used three goalies last year. They had three goalies win a game for them in the playoffs. Jeff Zatkoff won the first game. I forgot Flurry about that. Zatkoff, I forgot. Right. Right. So it's like their depth and goal is what a luxury. Mm-hmm. And how about Jimmy Rutherford at the deadline? Probably could have moved Flurry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to do it. And then it turns out, oh, my God, what a great move. Sometimes, I guess, the mm-hmm. best moves are the ones you don't make. Funny how Rutherford, too, just two years ago, just ran the Hurricanes into the ground, was a total mess of a GM, quote-unquote mess of a GM. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just funny yep. how things perceptions change in the game. Well, and then Pittsburgh, he takes over Pittsburgh. All the moves that they made in that offseason, they hadn't worked. And so he fires the coach, brings in Mike Sullivan, and then makes a couple of moves at the deadline last year. He was aggressive at the deadline. And all of a sudden, they're Stanley Cup champions. I mean, you, yeah. I can't even imagine how thick a skin you must have to have right. to be an NHL GM. <laughs> I know. It, it's crazy. Because yeah. there's going to be lots of days where yep. it's probably you, you go in there and you, you think to yourself, now, I'm not even right. sure how we got into this mess. Now I haven't heard is Murray Murray's growing obviously right um, yeah I haven't heard anything no me neither so his status and so, so. yeah just this is flurry flurry can you imagine yeah. wins the cup again or takes him real deep and then you know expansion he's going to be exposed in expansion draft most likely well I, you know? I I can't believe he'll be exposed I I think there's got to be a deal before oh okay that. there'll be something made yeah yeah um. Paul Pocky podcast with TSN's Ray Ferrar. Before we wrap up, Ray, I wanted to ask you this at the beginning of the show, and I skipped it over for some stupid reason. But uh, before we wrap up, look, you went on a couple of uh, good runs in your time as a player, and uh, and then now, of course, you're covering the league. Can you explain to our listeners, like, how much ramped up is playoff hockey? How much in, more is it than you know a Tuesday in Carolina? Um, well, for, for players, this is, there's a couple examples I can give you. Yeah. One is that. Generally speaking, you play every second day. Um, so you're in this rhythm of play, recover, play. Mm-hmm. So you get into this, you get into this, you know, there's, there's no extra travel. You're just flying between two cities, right? It's yep. kinda, the travel's kind of easy in most cases, unless like Detroit for years had to fly out to San Jose to play in the Western Conference playoffs because for whatever reason, Detroit was in the West. Right. Like, those were like brutal travel series. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the travel's pretty easy. When you're in a game, every puck battle is contested harder Mm -hmm. and more consistently. And every time you get hit, there's more intent by the guy hitting you. When you go hit somebody, there's more intent. You want want to stick it to them. 
more. Not that you don't in the season, but this is everything means so much. Mm-hmm. You know that the series is long in most cases. So you're not only playing for today, you're playing for a week from now. And you're like, man, if I can tire out the guy I'm playing against or help tire him out, Mm -hmm. it's going to help me and our team in the future. Because for the most part, you get into a series, the coaches make, you know, you have your matchups determined. They don't change. You're playing against the same guy seven times in a row. Like you get sick of looking at that guy's face. (laughs) And he gets sick of looking at you. Right. So when you're in a scrum, if you get a chance to punch him in the face, you're going to punch him in the face. Because if you don't punch him, he's going to punch you. (laughs) Right. And so that, I think, is like maybe just a small little example of how much more intense your dislike of the player is, how much your dislike of losing is, because you've just played for eight months. You're like, wait a minute, I could be out with one more loss? Yeah. Um, so they, everything is just yeah. so intense. Like, like, there's, you, no, there's no home life. Right. When you go home yeah. and you're like, if when you're at home, mm-hmm. the day off between games, you're like a... You know, you, like a do you do, piece of the sofa. Are you uh, are you coming back in for film sessions or anything like that? Like, yeah, there's meetings every okay, day. There is and, okay, and each coach, you know, there'll be an optional ice. Some guys like to skate and kind of bang out the kinks um, between yeah. games, and sometimes I would, and sometimes I wouldn't. I think depending on what was, yeah, you know, kind of the way things were going. Um, and then the, um, you know, the other thing would be like, you know, you'd come home and. It, you know, I was married and had kids, and mm-hmm. so at times that's a that's a fabulous diversion. Sure. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the kids want to do something, and you, you know, you it just takes your mind off. Right. What otherwise, for me anyway, was all consuming. Yeah. Did you feel like in '93, like that run you did with the Islanders, and then you had a couple other nice runs, but in '93, did you feel like your game got elevated, and you were like, I'm, I'm, this is, this is, you know more than I've ever played, or harder than I've ever played before. It's, you, know, you know what's funny? That, what I do remember about that mm-hmm. run, so in the first round I got eight goals uh, against Washington, mm-hmm. and I ended up, uh, we, we played 18 games in the playoffs, I had 13 goals. And I remember like, just knowing I was going to score when I went to the rink, even when I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. I'm going to score tonight. And I don't remember thinking about things as as much or as desperately as I did when I wasn't playing well. Okay. Like, it, yeah, yeah. you get into this, whatever, you know, players talk of, and psychologists have talked about the zone. Yep. And I don't even really know what it is, but I was in it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I never thought about, okay, how do I get a chance here? What am I going to do? What am I, I just did it. Yep. And, and, it, and it was really unexpected for me because I had missed three months. I had broken my leg and dislocated my ankle that year, and I came back with just six games before the playoffs. Oh, you did? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, well, actually, it's, a, it's one of my favorite Al Arbor stories. So I had played the first three games rather poorly. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, I mean, you had a broken yeah, leg and a dislocated ankle, so it's like a big injury. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I missed three months. Right, so right. I, I come, we had a game at home, and that was game three. Game four was the next day in Washington. Oh, I thought you were talking about when you first came back in the regular season. Okay. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, okay. It is. So I played three games after I returned, and I had played really poorly. Mm-hmm. And the next day we were going to Washington, 
And so I hear Al Arbor. I'm in the stick room getting my sticks ready for Mm -hmm. the trip. And I hear Al Arbor say to the trainer, get me the effing seagull. (laughs) And he used to call me the seagull. Right. And so he called me the seagull because he said, if you seagulls, they either squawk or poop. (laughs) And so I guess he thought that's what I did. So anyways, (laughs) so I hear him. And so I bolt out of the out of the stick room because I'm like, I'm going to make myself scarce by the time the trainer finds me, Al will settle down a bit. So he finds me. He's like, hey, Ray, uh, Al wants you. So I go in. I knock on the door. I get literally three feet inside the door. Mm -hmm. And Al says, Siegel, you got three games to get going. And he had this big, deep voice. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, you got three games to get going. And if you don't get going, you're going to be sitting with Claire. Claire is his wife. (laughs) And he goes, and she's been in the same seats, she, and she's been in the same goddamn seats for 22 years. <laughs> and so I'm standing there, and he goes, well, that's all. Do you have any questions? I was like, nope. <laughs> he turned around clear. and walked out. I'm like, whoa. So it turns out I scored the next day in Washington. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool, for me anyway, yeah. is there's a hockey card that – randomly was taken, yep. and it's of that goal in Washington. Oh, how funny is that? That's your hockey card that year. For that, and I was like, oh my God, that's the goal. If I any, remember if it. Any listeners, rebound on if any listeners, Bopri, yeah. and I shot it over his glove. Any listeners can post that. Well, I'll retweet it. Find it. And and it's it's so it's in Washington. Yep. I've got my blue jersey. You it's, can see my back, number 20, and I put it over Don Beaupre's glove. It's super dark. The photo will be super dark from Landover. You know, in Washington, <laughs> right, you need right. a miner's hat. Right. You need a miner's hat. Every, every game was like, who is that? So, and yeah. So, yeah. so I scored, uh-huh. and then I got one more, and then we made the playoffs, and then I went on that run. Wow. Interesting, too, how that – a, coming back in time, right? You probably didn't know for a while. Like, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can come back. B. Well, I kept telling myself I'm going to be back in time. Yeah, yeah. But, of course, you <laughs> tell yourself that because you're, you're sitting there. The team is playing game after yeah. game. And, and there you are. You're in the gym with the strength coach by yourself. Yeah. That's fun. So, in a way, like, look, no one wants to break their leg and hurt their ankle. But the time off, really, I mean, you came into that first round series. Now you got a couple confidence. And now you get eight goals because you're fresh. You're so stoked to be in the playoffs and be See, back this, playing. Steve, there, there is something to that. I don't know why players don't get rested more uh, during the course of the year. Yeah. Not for three months yeah. like I did. But, no, right. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, the standings are so close mm-hmm. that teams don't feel like they can afford any – any time off yeah. for a player, they're like, "Well, I, I you know, yeah. but we we'd like to give you five games off or five days off, but we might lose two games, and that might bump us out of the playoffs." That's funny you bring that up, Ray, because for the last few shows I've had on my sheet to talk to you about, we've seen in the NBA this has been happening more and more. Uh, Cavs, Spurs, yeah. a bunch of teams have been resting their big time stars because there's all these analytics on back to back games and what happens and the wear and tear. And, you know, there's this outcry for people who buy tickets, and rightly so. I feel like that you're not seeing these guys. NBA's kind of throwing their hands up in the air. Every, no one's happy. But rest, teams are figuring out that rest is important. And I always had this down to ask you do you think the NHL will ever go this way? So. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't necessarily um, think so only because of what I just touched yeah, on. Yeah. The standings close, are yeah. so close right. that nobody believes that they can, 
give their players that yeah. kind of time off. Have you heard about this NBA stuff? You've been reading it though. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you've been hearing about these these season. You know, these people are pissed, and NBA is like, what do we do? <laughs> you know. So yeah, and I mean, you can't make it. You got to play them. Okay. So you say they said that to an NBA team. You've got to play your you know your full lineup. Yeah. So you bring them down there. You start LeBron James. The first whistle, you take him out. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, that, I mean, that, you can't say he's got to play 32 minutes. No, he's yeah, play, yeah. Right? It's, you, you, it's kind of the way it is. It's a real conundrum that, you know, the, and whether I think the NBA has to work on their schedule. And the NHL probably can look at that, too, but a lot of uh, money the at schedule, stake here. The schedule, there's lots of work that can be done there. Yeah, for sure. So... All right. Well, hey, Ray, good stuff, man. Thank you for uh, for helping us and informing us all about the playoffs and letting us know. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna list. I'm gonna watch the game tonight, and I know what will happen after the end of the game. Where you're gonna go? So well, you'll know. I'll either be on my way to Chicago or on my way to Vancouver tomorrow. I'm on a plane somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul Pocky podcast. Thanks a lot, Ray. Appreciate it. Uh, have fun tonight, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah, enjoy the playoffs, everyone. Hope you hope you enjoy the show. Let us know about it. Give us a, a rating and um, listen. Tell your friends, and uh, yeah. we're glad you're listening. And and repost that hockey card from Ferraro so we can retweet. Oh it. yes, absolutely. All right, thanks, Ray. Later.